you can see in, in your sheets that my question for us today is, why do so many people reject the message of Jesus? If the gospel is such good news, why are so many people indifferent, so many people bored or even hostile to the good news? As I start, could I ask you to listen? Listen carefully to what is said here today. For us to start to understand, these, understand the answers to these questions, we must start in chapter 3, verse 31. Look with me. Then Jesus, Jesus' mother and brothers, arrived standing outside. They sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers? he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my mother and brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. So we start to see Mark referring to someone on the outside, his mother, his brothers. And Jesus will later say something similar in verse 11. Now were these verses surprising to you? You would think that Jesus' mother and brothers are on the inside with him and the others on the outside. But it's actually the opposite. His mother and his brothers are on the outside looking in, and those around Jesus are on the inside. Notice then what it means to be sitting with Jesus, listening to him. He says, whoever does God's will is my brother, sister, and mother. Now the reasonable question to ask is, what is God's will? Well, thankfully, Jesus gives us the answer. He says, in verse 3, listen. To listen to him is to do God's will. So let's carry on from verse 1. Look down with me. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake, and a crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the, water at the water's edge. Okay, let me stop here. There is a large crowd. Jesus is growing in popularity. He's been teaching, he's been preaching, and healing many people. Now there seems to be a large crowd, and he gets into the boat to be away from the crowd so that he can teach them, so that they could all hear. Let me remind you of our question. Why do so many people reject Jesus? If the gospel is such good news, why are so many people indifferent, so many people bored, and even hostile to the good news? Well, it's nothing new, because we've seen already that the message of God gives, gets mixed responses. Look in chapter 3. You can read verse 6. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with Herodians how they might kill Jesus. The word of God is met with anger and creates opposition. And in verse 21, his family said, he is out of his mind. The word of God brings division between the ones you love. Now all of that is context for what Jesus is about to say. In this parable, we get the meaning of the parable and the answer to our question. It's important not to miss the first command again. Jesus, uh, after Jesus says, whoever does God's will is my brother, sister, and mother. Jesus says, listen, to do, to do God's will is to listen to him. Jesus starts the parable, a farmer went out to sow his seed. 
And from verse 14, because Mark also records uh, the meaning of the parable, we are told that this seed is the word. So the farmer sows the word and some falls along the path. Jesus tells us in verse 15 that some people are like the path. The word is sown in them and they hear it, but Satan comes and takes it away, takes the word that was sown in them. In the Bible, Satan is described as the one who comes to steal, to kill and destroy. And here we can see a clear example of that. Maybe you have experienced this before. You tell someone about Jesus and what he's done in your life and they seem to get it. They seem to be happy, but actually they aren't that interested. And what you seem to say just goes in one ear and out the other. These people are like the path. Now verse 5. Some people, some of the word is sown in rocky places. Verse 16 and 17 tells, that, tells us that these people um, who hear the word receive it at once with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes, because of the word, they quickly fall away. This reminds me of myself. As a 13-year-old, I gave my life to Christ. I remember the excitement, the joy I had for Jesus. I don't know if you guys remember that. But it wasn't to last because as soon as I went back to school, realizing you're all alone in your beliefs, your friends don't believe, your family don't believe, and this makes you a target, a target for mocking, for bullying, then you convince yourself Let's, let me just forget about my faith. Try to be the same as everybody else. And in my case, God allowed me to go my own way for a while, but then, but then to be there right when I needed him, when I wanted to come back. Now, there are lots of stories just like mine, and maybe yours is similar. But you might know stories that are similar to this parable. The person doesn't come back. And it's sad, and it does happen. But we must not despair over these people, but keep them lifted in our prayers. Now verse 7. Look with me at verse 7. Now other, now other word, seed, word, is sown among the thorns. Verse 18 gives us the explanation. These people, they hear the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things come in and they choke the word, making it unfruitful. How many of us might feel like this today? I know at times I have. The question in my life, where is the fruit in this area? Where is the fruit in that area? Why have I not seen breakthrough? Maybe some feel choked by your circumstances today. Maybe you just have no time to think about Jesus. No time to share your faith with your colleague or your friend. You're just too busy, too much thinking, too much running around. You're just too busy. Life gets busy, and then you realize it's been a month since you read your Bible. It's been three months since you last prayed with a brother or sister. 
Now, don't mishear me, please. I'm not condemning anyone. Actually, I stand guilty of doing some of these very things. But I do want to make aware areas in life that could be choking the word. I want you to ask yourself and think about it. What are you worrying about that takes your eyes off Jesus? Maybe your appetite for money or possessions has become a snare and it traps you. It traps the mind and all it can think about. Or maybe it's your desires for other things, a desire to look a certain way, a desire for your flesh to be satisfied, the desire to be comfortable and remain there. All these things can come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. But there is hope. Look with me at verse 8. Still some seed, some word is sown in good soil. Verse 20 tells us that these people hear the word. They accept it and they produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. In this case, being fruitful is multiplying that which was sown. And what was sown was the word. So it's not about how many people you lead to Christ that determines how fruitful you are. But it is how much sowing of the word do you do. I like to think of it like this in other terms, that some people might talk about their faith, they might sow the word once a month. Some might do it three times a week. Some might do it three times a day. And for me, I know that I go up and down in the scale. I might be confident to talk about Jesus one day. You know, the scripture just comes to you, the opportunity just presents itself and you take it. Where other days, it's other weeks, it's not like that. You don't say anything about Jesus. You miss the opportunities. Uh, but that's okay. So at the same time as encouraging myself to sow more seeds, I want to encourage you to do the same. Now, it doesn't have to be, like I said, sharing the gospel three times a day. No. Maybe it's just a social media post. Or it's leaving a posted note on a Costa coffee table saying Jesus loves you. Now for a moment, try to think of someone or some way that you could encourage or share the gospel this week. And lastly, we're going to look at another question in your, in your sheet there. Um, one that's more interesting, and um, it is that why does Jesus use parables? And thankfully, he tells us. Okay, let's read in verse 10. When Jesus was alone with the twelve and others around him, he asked him about the parables. They, uh, yeah, asked him about the parables, and he told them, that the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the 
outside, there's that, that word that we saw in the beginning. On the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Yes, you read that correctly. Parables are meant to prevent outsiders from understanding the truth so that they won't repent, so that they won't be forgiven. That is what the text is saying. We must be prepared to sit under the authority of God's word when it says difficult things. It would be great to pray that the same Holy Spirit who inspired these words would also help us to accept them. Okay, to help us understand why Jesus uses parables here, because in other, in other passages he doesn't speak in parables. So why does he do it here is the question. We need to understand the context again. Uh, in verses 10 to 12, Jesus portrays two groups those around the twelve, those around him with the twelve, to whom the secret of the kingdom of God is given, and to those on the outside who are kept from understanding. Is everybody with me so far? Okay. We've seen both of these groups before in chapter 3, and if you were listening earlier, you would remember that that was when Jesus' mother and brothers were outside and Jesus calls those sitting around him his brother, sister and mothers. So the context shows that Jesus' decision to hide his saving message in a farming story is in response to people rejecting him. Okay. We also know that because there were many there who didn't care about the message of his message. Because in verse 1, there's a large crowd. And then in verse 10, do you see it? He's all alone with the 12 and others. Most of the crowd who were there weren't there to hear Jesus or to seek understanding. But some were possibly Jesus' enemies. Others were there for a show. But some we know were there to listen. We know this because Jesus tells them to listen twice in verse 3 and verse 9. He knows who is in the crowd. So he tells a story about farming to divide between those who want to understand and those who don't. The parable is a bit like automatic doors, automatic shop doors. From the outside, the store looks closed and you might walk away. But if you walk closer, you'll notice they open. And we see here that many are not interested in going closer. So many left without understanding the parable. That's why Jesus uses parables here. Now I'd like to finish with this. 
there is a place where we see this divide again between inside and outside. Well, it is at the end of Jesus' ministry. When he is arrested, when he is sentenced to execution, when he is treated as an outsider, his friends leave him. He is the one alone on the cross. He is the one who cries, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He is the one who is treated like an outcast so that you can be welcomed in. It's so that you could come inside. It's so that you could have a relationship with God and be forgiven from sin. Yes, he died for you and he died for me so that we may be welcomed in. And that is the good news. But not everyone will walk in. Some will hear, but walk away today. Some will hear and rejoice, but when life gets hard, they will fall away. And some will walk in, and some will be choked by the cares and the worries of this world. But some will hear the word, and they will rejoice, and they will go out and tell others of this good news. So let's be like the good soil today, sowing the word wherever we go. Let me pray. Father God, I pray today that we would be like that good soil. Lord, I pray today you would give us opportunities to speak about you. Father, thank you for your son who was treated like an outcast on the cross cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that we may be welcomed in, so that we may have a relationship with you. Lord, we praise you so much for this. Help us to be more bold and to speak about your truths this week. In Jesus' name, amen.